0: don't try to be successful or achieve what you should be achieving in 20 years in two years because you still need to survive the rest of the 18 years and it burns you out that's the problem you see a lot of young chefs start really really great and then you start when you're 25 26 as a head chef and you really push get awards and everything you don't see them in their thirties. You don't know what happened to them. Very rarely, someone keeps that momentum. And when you achieve your success in your late thirties and when you, it's, when you reach your peak in your late thirties and forties, that's a lot practical
1: for you to sustain. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Paul Turn. In the day, I work a pretty normal job as a doctor in Singapore. But in my spare time, I interview successful people, mainly in Asia, with interesting career paths, hobbies, or side projects. I trace their stories right back to their humble beginnings, and I ask, what do these unconventional journeys teach us? And can we similarly be more imaginative in what we do? Welcome to the Alternative CV Podcast. So 26 of the Alternative CV podcast, thank you so much for joining me week after week to learn more about people with interesting careers, side projects or hobbies and just how they did it. I hope you found this inspiring and if you have, please consider sharing it with your friends and also please consider dropping me an email or giving me any feedback. Whether you like something or you don't like something, I'm always eager to hear how I can improve and how I can serve you better. Today I continue my conversation with Chef Rishi Nalindra. Let me introduce him. His impressive culinary career has included stints as chef de partie at the world-renowned Tetsuyas in Sydney, as well as as a pastry chef at the award-winning Yellow by Brand Savage, whom Chef Rishi values as a mentor whose guidance was instrumental in helping him to hone his skills. You can find out more about Chef Rishi's experiences in both these restaurants and how this has developed him as a chef in part one of our conversation where we talked about Chef Rishi's razor-sharp focus as he trained himself in the various top restaurants in Australia and used these as stepping stones to build up his culinary skills. Chef Rishi then moved to Singapore, which is the focus of today's conversation, where he opened his first restaurant, Cheek by Jowl, which was awarded a Michelin star in 2018. He closed it in February 2019 to make way for Cheek Bistro, which now takes up the same space and offers modern Australian fare that marries the fresh, eclectic flavours of the land down under with the comforting, hearty tones of bistro cooking. Alongside the operation of Cheek Bistro, Chef Rishi has since opened a new restaurant, Cloud Street. This is founded in partnership with Gareth Burnett, and this establishment is the culmination of Chef Rishi's progression as a chef, and it showcases the innovation of his kitchen and has also received numerous accolades. Finally, in April of this year, Chef Rishi is set to open Couture, which is a traditional Sri Lankan restaurant based in Singapore. So do look out for that. Today's conversation discusses Chef Rishi's move to Singapore and how he managed to start his first restaurant, and his process by which he created a culture of excellence amongst his kitchen team and support staff, up to the point where he finally won that coveted Michelin star. We end off by talking about Chef Rishi's process for creating new dishes, as well as his thoughts around how people should enjoy food. So plenty of ground that we've covered again. And just a few final few thoughts before I leave you to enjoy this episode. We do reference Lolit Peng, or Peng for short. I've also interviewed him on this podcast. You can check out his episodes, they're episodes 15 and 16. And finally, sorry for the background noise, we recorded this episode in Cloud Street, which is Chef Rishi's latest restaurant. It was a hive of activity because they were preparing for dinner on a Saturday night. For the purposes of this episode, we've tried to clean up audio as much as possible, but there's still a bit of background noise, so I do hope you'll forgive me for that. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this highly entertaining but also educational conversation with Chef Rishi Nalindra, the first Sri Lankan to be awarded a Michelin star. Do enjoy. Then, how did you end up coming to to this decision about moving to Singapore then?
0: Uh, Random. I didn't... So after... I didn't really like Sydney so I wanted to move back to Melbourne and my wife's from Melbourne and she's the one who said let's go try something else. So either it was going to be Singapore or London. I just wanted warm weather. (laughs) And it's closer to Sri Lanka, it's closer to Australia and if we go to Europe again it's again far from everything. And... It seemed Singapore seemed like a really good place to be at that time because there were some amazing restaurants here, like world-class restaurants. I thought that could be quite interesting.
1: When you came over, did you have a job? Line-
0: uh, no. Well, we so you d- just literally just just packed our bags buy- and it was it was a two-week decision. I said, "Yep, yeah, let's go to Singapore." Two weeks later, packed our bags, moved to Singapore, found a job at Oxford and Co., which is on Club Street, an English pub. Again, I realized, okay, it's not for me. Then I did my own pop-up where I met Peng. He came and ate there once. And then he gave me a call and asked me to come to
1: the office and said, there might be something that interests. Me. Could you elaborate on the story? Because Peng's, Peng's come on this podcast before and, and it's uh, interesting you hear this connection.
0: So, yeah, he, he gave me, he asked me to come To the office And he already had Eaten my food And he had Restaurant Sorrel Back then Didn't do really well So he had decided To close it And he said If you want You can take it And it was a 10 minute conversation And he said I can't remember Oh he said something He said Oh Let me know If you want to do it or not I'm like Oh you tell me if you want me to come on board and he's like no no you have time till Monday you tell me and then I just couldn't wait to wake up Monday morning and call him and say I mean that's the first time that I got to do my own rest pop-up was mine as well but then I didn't know what I was doing what what do you mean by like that. I mean opening a restaurant it's a massive thing you need a full team there's a lot of things that you need to get right at a restaurant and I was painting chairs with the team and you know I took a kitchen that was so dirty I spent three days just cleaning it and there were two chefs and two front of ours and I was 28 years old screaming at everyone and throwing things around and back then to tell someone my vision and where we are we going to be in five years it was hard. It was not hard to say. It was hard for someone, get someone to believe it. It was super hard and you know no one would come and work with me because I was very aggressive and I was losing myself every day. You know, punching those, like throwing pots and pans. And mm. it just doesn't work that way. But then when you're young and when you have that drive, it does work that way sometimes. And yeah, then... When Peng called me, that's when I brought Manuela to do the front of house with me as well. Again, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I didn't know what a P&L was. I didn't know what depreciation was. I had no idea what service charges, contracts were, how to apply for a license, how to do anything. And I had to learn fast because it was a failed business. And also looking at that P&L... If I understood what the PNL and l is back then, I would have probably said no. I mean, Peng knows the whole story. This restaurant and I didn't know. And obviously, he, he give you a share in his business. And the only thing I ask, so what do I have to do to get my shares? He's, he gave me an X amount and said, you make this in profit, you get your shares. and. And he gave me amount of shares this is what you're gonna get i'm like okay brilliant and again i had no idea but we managed to pay it off in four months wow and since then i've been with him for four years i've been a partner and he actually gave me more than what he had promised this is like it was unreal mm. and i we had a L meeting and i said look we've hit the target and he asked me so what did i say and i said and then he said, then he told the account make it more than what he had promised mm.
1: that's an amazing story and it, there's it, so many amazing points in that and i think one thing which i love about this is again that you threw yourself out there and were willing to take on challenge despite as in, you weren't held back by the lack of knowledge but you were but you were willing to kind of like learn 100
0: percent. to be honest like i look back and look at certain dishes i'm um, like what i was thinking and looking back and how it was we had manuela and ming in the front and four of us in the kitchen and most of them couldn't really cook and really bad attitude and again i was still very aggressive and i would do anything to get what i want and they were left they were left within Weeks and months and they all left and then my first hire was Jay who is the head chef at Cheek today he started as an apprentice a commie, and now he's a head chef after four years and then my second hire was Mark as a head chef as a sous chef for Cheek who is the head chef at Cloud Street today and even the day I hired him I said if we ever get a Michelin star, I'm going to promote myself to executive chef and <laughs> I'll promote you to a head chef. We were joking. But we pushed ourselves really hard. Once once Mark, Jay, and there was another three boys that joined me. Josh, he had gone to culinary school. He asked me for a job when I was at Makkah. And then Junior, who is Marcus, who was a psychology student and Shane, who was an engineer, Jay was an engineer. Mark was a culinary student who did his internship at Levin Madison Park. And he was at Esquina with Andy Walsh and also the head chef at Hong Kong 28 with an amazing work ethic. And then Dylan joined us. So it was six of us and we worked really, really hard, but we had fun because we were so young and this is like almost five years ago and or four years ago. And it's sometimes it's better that you don't know things in life or how serious things are. And we were just having fun from a shared menu. We ended up going to tasting menus and ended up getting us a Michelin star, but it was a natural progress because we pushed it really hard. Not just myself, everyone, was. On everyone, everyone that who was involved, we all pushed really, really
1: hard. It seems to me that the lesson here is kind of about vision. Because here was a team that all bought into the vision. Whereas the, the initial team who left didn't buy into the vision.
0: No, they couldn't They couldn't get it. They didn't understand why I want things the way I want. And it was hard.
1: But this, this runs through, true as well in this rings true in, in many other organizations as well you know when you have a very uh, strong culture that this is what we are, we're about then it's polarizing like those who 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 subscribe to it are like loyal and very they're really on board but those who aren't meant for you they almost get like expelled as pretty a
0: pretty much you know. which is a very good thing I just don't want to have people with a negative mindset and a negative attitude around me for 8 to 12 hours a day I'd rather not have them Can you describe what kind of culture you try to create in that? Positive culture where people have fun and you work hard, but you don't take work as a hassle. You do it because you actually just want to do it and you think it's fun, but it's very serious at the same time. I mean, you walk through here, right? They're all having a good chat, laughing, and when it comes to service, it's the same thing. It doesn't change. But what goes on a plate and what we physically do and what we mentally put through to a plate, it's very, very
1: serious and it's a lot of hard work. And high standards, which you've learned. With very, very high standards. How did you hire for these people? Because it seems that you built your team, really.
0: Just the attitude. To be honest, it's the people around me who built it. Not myself. I can have a vision. But if I don't have the right people around me, like Mark... He's been with me for almost four and a half years, and he took a break when he had his baby, but he came back for Cloud Street. And it just changes everything, who you associate with and who's around you. The moment you have people who are starting politics and who just start talking behind people back, it just becomes a mess. Then your focus is not work. Your focus becomes everything else, which you don't want to happen
1: and what would you say the other kind of experiences so like Yellow and Tetsuya and Taxi Kitchen what what how did they influence you as a new kind of head chef at both Maca and, and this place Like, what lessons do you kind of bring over
0: I don't have to lie. I think when I first started cooking a lot of my food looked like it, it was from Brent mm. I'm being very honest like it's you could physically put it in one of his places, it'll fit in. Mm. That's the reality. And you know, it was a lot of influence that came because it's the first time I worked in a kitchen that I thought, oh, that's actually creative food which I want to cook one day. And you have to start from somewhere. And Brent has eaten at Cheek by Jal. Has he? Yeah, and oh, wow. he's, he's eaten at Cloud Street twice now. Yeah, I there was a lot of inspiration came from his, his food. I don't have to lie about it. and it's. But then eventually, to be honest, only when I opened Cloud Street, I felt like, oh, I actually have my own style now. It's not brands, it's not taxi, it's not teths. It's my own thing. How do you come to that? Practice. Just practice and practice and practice.
1: And innovation I suppose just trying things just
0: trying things It's trying things and I still have ins- inspiration from all these chefs that I've worked with but now I have my own way of doing things what'd you say is your distinctive style then it's really hard to explain it's something that you need to experience okay
1: and I definitely look forward to experiencing it sometime yeah can we talk a little bit about your creative process yeah Yeah. So when you conceptualize a new dish, like what, how do you, where where does it start from? Like, what do you usually, it
0: starts with vegetables because there's so much you can do with proteins and, and you don't want to change proteins too much. And vegetables is where you can be very, very creative.
1: So we're talking about, um, creating new dishes.
0: Yeah, it's always starts with vegetables. It's so hard to say how it starts. It starts with the product and then we just try to develop it to something and along the way it's always logic. What's missing, why it's, always it's what's missing, what's missing and then you get to a stage and then you're like, let's take things out now. So eventually it becomes less is
1: more. Do you um, look to many different places for inspiration? Do you, do you think comes from within yourself?
0: No. Oh, you, sometimes you see things on books and you're like, oh, that's actually interesting. I never thought of doing something that way. Sometimes Instagram has been a massive thing. Not that you bluntly copy things. You definitely get inspired. You know, you, you look at something you're like, oh, I've actually never thought, I've never seen that vegetable. And then you try to source it and you hear about a new technique. You know, it's not like we have research kitchens or, or R&D kitchen. We have one kitchen where we work from and that is our R&D kitchen and that's our work kitchen. So, it's not like we have full-time people who's just thinking. But, that's how it happens. You know, you, you go eat. like Not necessarily it has to be a fine dining place. It can be something really casual and takes you by surprise. Ingredients or a texture or something that you've never seen. Therefore like, oh, I never thought thought about that. It's ne I'll be lying if I say it's hundred percent myself. And also, a lot comes from the team as well.
1: So on the on this topic, yeah, you're rec- you're just about to launch a new restaurant. Yes, it's a Sri Lankan restaurant. Actually, why don't you tell us more, a bit more about about that?
0: So it came by. It's not something that we chased Me and Peng had spoken about a Sri Lankan restaurant for a long time And then an opportunity came Uh, It's funny because Peng used to own a hotel called Wanderlust Yes On Dixon Road He sold it a couple of years ago And Ashish, who's uh, 8M, bought it And has developed it And they've decided to keep the name Wanderlust Because it's so iconic Mm -hmm. and so Ashish wanted to see me one day and ask me if I would be interested doing something with him and when I was going to that meeting I was hoping he'll want to open a Sri Lankan restaurant because there's no point opening another western restaurant because I have Cloud Street and also I have Cheek funny enough he wants to open a Sri Lankan restaurant I said let me speak to Peng and then obviously Peng said yes so Amazing And what's the name Of your new restaurant? It's going to be called Kotuwa. Kotuwa. Kotuwa is an iconic place In Sri Lanka The central uh, railway station Is called Kotuwa. It's almost like Flinders Street in Melbourne Kotuwa is Flinders Street Of uh, Sri Lanka
1: And so you're now Creating a, a, a new menu For Kotuwa. Yes Based around Sri Lankan Themes and entities. Yes It'll be traditional Sri Lankan food Okay. Will it be like a tasting menu kind of concept? No, it's a real Sri Lankan restaurant. Like We will be cooking traditional food. And um, purely traditional or using the techniques? Is that a hybrid? Or just...
0: I don't know yet. Obviously, there will be certain touches. More than the food, like I really don't want to change food a lot because there's a reason why we eat the way we eat and how we eat how we cook things and i don't want to change it it's been done in a certain way for a long time for a reason Mm. and i'm not the biggest fan when people change things too much for the sake of changing and it's about tasty food sharing and you know bit of heat bit of acidity and i really don't want to change it too much but it'll be in a nice ambience, the same design team designing that restaurant who designed Cloud Street. And also we will bring, I think Cloud Street and Cheek, we have our own identity when it comes to hospitality, how we talk to people, how we look after people. And you'll definitely get that there as well, our brand of hospitality.
1: Mm. So one thing I've, that I've noticed from this conversation is how you've definitely gained more experience as you've gone along. So now the way you talk about like having your own brand of hospitality and bring the same people along to design it like whereas previously when you started cloud street you're like oh or oh, oh, a cheek by jowl even you're like oh no what's a profit and loss so you've really kind of um developed the skills again in, in all these other areas beyond just the 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 cooking so i'd like to ask a bit more about opening a restaurant who you're a chef and you're an owner as well do you usually find a partner to do all these other functions of like operations?
0: Now I have Garrett, but initially no, it was just me and Manuela trying to figure out how to do everything. And then along the way you meet people that who's passionate, the people who desire flowers. We've been working with them for four years. People do our branding. I've been working for them for three and a half years the designing team I've known them even before I did Cheek and but Cheek because of Sorrel I didn't have a budget to design and so I've known them for five years and it's just working and it's just finding people that you can work with and and you you just don't need to have long conversations of who you are or what you want to be just they know already because they've known you and I've known them. I know what they do. And it's a trust. Once I say this is what I want, I know they're going to give it 100%. Changes everything. It's the contractor. Mm. Like Honkit, our contractors, we've been working with them for
1: a long time. Yeah, it's the context and the team which you build up around. 100%. You. And that's, uh, yeah, it's it's important because... Going to a restaurant, the concept is not just the food, right? It's like no the menu, how you the, your font and you know and the branding
0: design. is a massive thing. I never thought that branding would be this important, but branding is really really important. So it's what you remember.
1: Yeah, the experience is the RT experience sensory. exactly. I've, I'd just like to ask a final few questions before we wrap up. I'd like to ask you for advice, really. So, as I said, you know, that a, a large par- purpose of these conversations are for to to look at people who have, who are right now have achieved success and then to kind of break down their stories. So what kind of advice would you give to, pe- to people who are interested in food and chefs who are just starting out, really?
0: Okay, to get one thing straight I don't think I've achieved success I'm 35 and still very young and I want to achieve say a comfortable career and be comfortable probably when I'm 45 46 Mm. and then I have only 15 years left Mm. to push if that makes sense if I think I've achieved success now I still have a long way to go it's 25 years that's years, a long yeah. time that's three decades I need to last it's not a race I want to be comfortable in my late 40s and onwards mm
1: mm-hmm.
0: it doesn't mean that I wouldn't work I'll always work I would not retire and any advice it's exactly that don't try to be successful or achieve what you should be achieving in 20 years in two years because you still need to survive the rest of the 18 years and it burns you out that's the problem you see a lot of young chefs start really really great and then you start when you're 25 26 as a head chef and you really push get awards and everything you don't see them in their 30s you don't know what happened to them very rarely someone keeps that momentum and when you achieve your success in your late 30s and when you it's when you reach your peak in your late 30s and 40s that's a lot practical for you to sustain Mm. because it gets i'm not saying that you can't be successful and 25 and also does it mean that just being rich or having money do you consider that as being successful or you consider as being successful when you understand life a lot better when you reach a level where you understand things you don't nothing really upsets you nothing really makes you overly happy nothing really makes you overly sad either because you know it's it's normal Mm. and is that the success so it's very confusing what success is and People see it in very, very different ways, and no way I think I've achieved what I want, I've just started. The day I feel like I've achieved, I'll stop. I'll do something else. I can't wait for that day. And you know, because one day I want to have my own gallery and just paint. Mm. I want to live in a space where I can just paint and live the life that I want to live without a care. And I'll do that if I feel one day I've achieved what I want out of this I'll stop there's no point moving forward right so and to reach that level it just be your hard work you can always there's people that who's always a lot more talented than you are but that's 5% the rest of the 95 percent is purely practice and just not stopping because that five percent can will naturally overcome when you have more practice on things so everyone has a skill and knowledge and even if you're super talented you still need to keep on pushing otherwise that five percent just get lower and lower because you don't have practice
1: yeah i love it that the drive to keep pushing yourself I'd like to ask you a question about education because it's not just about like the lessons and the stuff we learn in books. So what do you think is most important to like learn from your from your time in school or education? Just
0: cherish it, enjoy it, because it doesn't, it's one of the best times. Forget what's in books and everything. You know, I was not the best student. I used to do really bad things at school and I carry those memories and you know there was very innocent students yeah there's nothing wrong with being innocent and being very l- following all the rules every now and then just break a couple there will be consequences and when you have them just again enjoy that and just have fun because it's one of the best best times of your life free from responsibilities the moment you finish school, you start a job, responsibilities and commitment.
1: Just enjoy. Another quick question about books um, or resources. Anything that you found particularly helpful for yourself? Very broad question. Any like books, how to guides, documentaries, or anything that Anything you, that inspires? Anything that, that you found helpful to yourself?
0: Anything that inspires me was helpful. It could, it could have been amazing. It could have been art, it could have been designers, it could have been architects, it could have been an old building. Not necessarily you need to be inspired by exact same profession that you work in. You know, you listen to music and you you listen how it's been composed, the moments in a song. You don't remember the whole song but you remember certain moments in a song and then you try to create that at work and or whatever you do you try to create moments that you remember and movies like just embrace it and sometimes people don't see a lot of things as art especially when it comes to engineering or like you initially said in Asia we try to follow Mm. be a doctor lawyer or engineer or an accountant but in all those things there's still an art of doing things. And you know, it's that's the thing. And once you've found that art within what you do, you just start naturally enjoying it. I don't know how exciting it is when you have to cut something up. I mean, we do it all the time, but one thing we don't have to worry about is put it back together and trying to wake the bloody thing up. So, but there's always an art, there's always, and whenever you think your job's hard, there's someone always working harder. You know, the moment you think you've had a bad childhood, there's enough children that who's had a bad childhood in this world. The moment that you think you don't have enough, there's always someone that has less. You know, you never look into someone else's pocket to see if they have more than you have. You always look into someone else's pocket to see if they have enough to survive or you can lend them some. It's always share the knowledge that changes everything. You become less greedy. I don't have a recipe book, but everyone that works with me has a recipe book. And I never fear when someone writes one of my recipes. I don't care. And, and these days it's not hard. You can Google, anything comes up. I want to make a bread, I can Google. but what you need to learn is not to copy how to take something and be inspired and how can you make it your own
1: great advice great advice just a quick fun question to end with I have always wondered about uh, eating so I've wondered about you know, if the two of us had a, went, to a, went to a new restaurant say, and had a degustation menu, I'm sure that we'll have different experiences. So as kind of like a layperson who has no experience with, say, the fine dining world and being a chef, do you have any ways, uh, tips, quick tricks, etc., for me to have a greater appreciation for... for, for just
0: relax I mean? and enjoy. People just think too much. You know, everyone goes to a meal and now these days everyone's a cook. Everyone knows what's happening in the industry. Everyone knows everyone's a foodie. Who is a foodie? We all eat so we all are foodies right and It's the same thing. You don't go to a doctor and Tell the doctor that you know what you have and what you should be doing To help me It's the same thing you go to a restaurant Just trust who runs it And if things aren't going well, just let them know. See if they do something to fix it. If they don't do something to fix it, just don't go back. Mm. Not worth it. But even if it's a mediocre meal or even if if it was a bad night, but they tried really hard, go back. See if it has changed. Because a lot of the times people come to restaurants and think or act as... If they've never had a bad day at work, this is still work. This is still someone's job. As much as I said that we do this for fun, it's still my work. This is I make a living out of this, and not just me. With the two restaurants, we have 38 staff. Plus, that's direct staff, and there's so many other people who who, who who's not in the scene operationally we have marketing people we have accounts we have HR we have services that uh, suppliers depend on us and then just because you didn't get your own way you shouldn't act as if the world's coming to an end just remember the time that you had a bad day at work what did you do or what somebody else did mm. to help you or get it make it better so just always go with the open mind and when you go out and just go out to eat and enjoy. Again, if it's a bad meal, I usually they don't go back. Or if they tried really hard to fix the problem, I would always go back. Sometimes you go for people, even if it's bad. And to be honest, like looking back at Makkah and in, even Sikbhai, probably even Cloud Street. I don't know if it's good or not. But one thing I know is when people come here, we're always here, I always talk to them. And if something's wrong, we try to go beyond what we're supposed to do, if given the opportunity. There's times that people doesn't give us the opportunity, they would go back and write it online. I mean, be connected. Connecting online is not connecting. I was here, you could have said your wine was too cold, you didn't need to write it online. Yeah. No one cares. Yeah. Who cares? Does anyone genuinely care? If someone thinks that I would really care, that. And the worst thing is you ask people, oh, how was, how was everything they'll say? Yeah, it was good. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then you know it's exactly that person because it's not hard to read people and false like reviews and it's just too much. People just need to chill and enjoy. Just go with the open mind. It doesn't have to be a fine dining restaurant, you know, like... You go get a bowl of noodles from hawker centre. there's a lot in it that satisfies you. It's the same bloody thing. Because you pay a bit more extra, it's not going to change the experience. Just a little nicer. It's it's a better ambience. You're drinking out of better glasses. Mm. And if you can't enjoy a bowl of noodles... You can't enjoy a fine dining room. If you can't enjoy a burger for four bucks, you're not going to enjoy fine. Luxury is not the price. Luxury is what you make out of things. So it's very, very important. And always have a glass of wine. Chill the hell out when you eat and drink. I mean, enjoy. Just relax. Let go. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be working when, you, when you're out eating. I used to do that, I used to stress. Sometimes it's one certain thing still stress me out when I eat. If the service staff is rude, or if they don't genuinely care, it gets me really badly. I get agitated, and I would never go back. There was one incident not long ago, I said, I told them, I'm like, look, I don't get upset often. And it was, I was, if I was sitting here, The bar was there, and the drinks were sitting there for like five minutes, but the bartender would not bring it here. He'll wait for a waiter to come over and to pick the glasses and put here. And he'll just fill up the glasses and he'll be on his phone. I went up to the bar and took the glasses. I said, look, it's not that hard, right? Things like that get me. But apart from that... If people are nice, if the service is good and if they're trying, just give people a chance. Mm. The only reason why I came this far, five years ago, it was not this harsh. It was harsh but it was not this harsh. People gave people a chance Mm. and even they didn't, I still tried my best. Mm. I think genuinely people started coming to cheek by Jal because me and manuela was always there we were very nice and we looked after people and that genuine hospitality and that's a brand of hospitality i'm talking about being genuine and i don't think people genuinely came for food i don't know if they come here for that either like i said i don't know if it's good or not you know it could they could be bluffing but it's just nice people tend to enjoy it so i think we're
1: doing something right yeah I think you are too and Chef Rishi thank you so much for your time thank you for your wisdom and your advice I think we we kind of went we really did go beyond just food and we went into like real solid life advice as well so I've taken a lot out of this conversation and I hope you've enjoyed it too
0: no worries it was really really good It's, it's nice it's not a formal interview yeah so
1: Exactly And definitely check out Your restaurants So this is In Cloud Street It's a beautiful place And Cheek as well Yeah And the new one To come Which is Couture Yes And that will be opening In April April. In April Great Thank you very much
0: No worries Thank you
1: Hey listeners Thank you for joining me For this episode Of the Alternative CV Podcast If you found this useful And you've learned something do consider sharing it with somebody whom you think needs to hear it. Please subscribe if you haven't done so already. And of course, you can find show notes and references to everything we've talked about at alternativecv.fm. Also, leave a review, get in touch with me, or ask a question and carry on the conversation, or suggest any other guests who you'd like to see on this podcast. You can always email me at paul at alternativecv.fm. That's P-A-U-L at alternativecv.fm. Finally, special thanks to Kim Colmea and Katsia Beg for the help in the production of this podcast. See you next week.